Local talk is back in the valley. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Mike Douglas here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Your live and local personal concierge for conversation uh, Monday through Friday here on uh, the Mike Douglas Show. Listen, it's our time together for rational and reasonable conversation about the significant issues of the day that personally affect you and me here in the Central Valley. My privilege not only to serve as uh, your host here and your concierge for conversation, but also to serve as a community pastor and as the president of Advancing Vibrant Communities at VibrantCommunities.org. Well, turning our, our attention today to law enforcement and the application of of the law and also of sentencing measures, there's a, a significant, often passionate, developing rift between district attorneys in California. It's uh, over a growing movement to reform our state's criminal justice system. And our attention really was drawn to this issue far more closely when uh, Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon announced at his swearing-in ceremony a couple months ago that he intended to make critical changes in the way that L.A. County prosecutors handled cases and handled sentencing as well. And among those changes, he talked about ending the practice of charging minors as adults for some crimes, uh, no gang enhancements in criminal complaints, taking the, the death penalty totally off the table, no cash bail for misdemeanors and nonviolent felony offenses. Well, the Association of Deputy District Attorneys in Los Angeles County sued uh, D.A. Gaston, and uh, a judge ruled to enjoin the district attorney from implementing some of those sentencing requirements. And all that brings us to today's interview with San Joaquin County District Attorney Tori Verber Salazar, who has helped found an organization dedicated to criminal justice reform. It's called the Prosecutors Alliance of California, of which L.A. County District Attorney George Coscone is a member. And my encouragement to me and to you is always to be curious about things that are new and that may, at least in part, well, we may not agree with, with our own opinions and backgrounds. But I think it's important to give voice to new opinions, new perspectives, so that we can explore, without immediately being defensive, the rationale behind new movements and why people think the way they think. We learn from this. We learn from this process, at least I do. And it helps me understand my own perspectives more clearly. And I always look for common ground, and I encourage you to do that today as we uh, listen to uh, Tori Verber Salazar, the uh, district attorney in San Joaquin County. Are there areas where we can agree and learn from each other? So I ask you to please join me in listening carefully today. Maybe make a few notes or questions or reactions that you may have to what you hear, and uh, we'll take your calls after our interview with her today. So with that spirit of inquiry, of curiosity, and always courtesy here on the Mike Douglas Show, we've invited San Joaquin County District Attorney Tori uh, Verber-Salazar to share her thoughts with us, to, to make her case 
for the need for criminal justice reforms in California. And we're going to begin with the Prosecutors Alliance of California. Uh, DA Tory Verber Salazar, welcome. And let's begin with why the alliance was formed and the history behind it. Well, Prosecutor Alliance of California um, kind of is the first of its kind of law enforcement association. Um, and it's here to support um, California prosecutors committed to creating reform within our criminal justice systems and within our community through smart, safe, and modern solutions. Um, and to advance not just public safety, but community well-being. So it's a two-prong. We want to make sure that we are advancing public safety, but also that we're ensuring this, our community is moving in a healthy pathway forward. And so we we wanted to make sure that we moved away from past policies or procedures that data and research have shown were not successful in the goals that they hope to achieve. We wanted to, instead of relying on that adage that every time something doesn't work, we're going to double down on what we did before because if we do twice as much, it'll be a better result. When in reality, the data has shown us that many of these policies that we implemented weren't achieving the success that we hoped to have. And so we made that pivot and said, okay, let's look at data and let's look at research and science and let's have a commitment to each and every member of our community that we will strive to find the best solution to address these very complex issues, ensuring first and foremost, the safety and well-being of our victims and our witnesses and the neighborhoods that are impacted and ensuring public safety and that everybody has equal protection under the eyes of the laws in the courtroom, but also have the strength and the courage to say that this policy wasn't working, it wasn't achieving the success we hope to have, and to have the courage to create that change and not rely upon the past. And to make change based on that and not on fear, that if we create change, there'll be more victims or more harm, because that's not fair to our communities, it's traumatizing them, and the pathway to have those conversations makes people go into one camp or another, when in reality, everything every district attorney does is to ensure the health and well-being of, of, of victims in our community. But we need to be able to have the ability to do that and have it in a logical, honest conversation based on data and research. What are some of those, uh, and, and maybe just cite one or two, uh, past policies that you feel have not been productive that have led you to say, we really need a, um, a, a massive reconfiguration of the way that we approach things? Well, you look in the, historically, when an individual received a felony conviction, it, um, you might have gotten you know, a year in the county jail or five years in the state prison, whatever your sentence was for that felony conviction. And if you did your time, and you completed all the terms and conditions of your probation and parole, and you wanted to begin on a new journey where you would be healthy and contributing to the community, you couldn't do so with that felony conviction because we kept the felony conviction for life. Even though you served your sentence and did everything we asked and did it well, you still had a life sentence because that felony stayed on your criminal history for 99 years. It's not removed. So it means that if you're an 18-year-old who made a, you know, a bad decision that had you know, terrible consequences um, for a victim or a community or harmed, and you have to be held accountable and responsible for your actions, 
and you do, and you come in and you do everything right for the next six decades, because your life, you know, expectancy is in the, you know, 70s and 80s now, you will be unable to get employment, education, and housing because of that felony conviction. As a matter of fact, there's 4,900 consequences in the state of California for a felony conviction. And so what we needed to do is go back and look and say, okay, how long is the punishment? Should one, you know, one day of conduct that, you know, should it be for the rest of your life? Should every sentence, every conviction be a life sentence? And that's not the deal that we made. We have misdemeanors, we have felonies, and we have varying degrees of felonies. Um, but once you get that on your history, you cannot get out from under it. And so morally it raises issues, but it also economically does, because that means you're not going to be paid a traditional wage, meaning, you know, where you're getting FICA and all the withdrawals that the rest of us get when we get our paycheck. Instead, you're probably going to get paid under the table or paid cash, meaning if you miss a day of work, then you're going to lose that pay and like more likely to drive you further into poverty. Also, it means that you're going to need all of the services that the taxpayer's dollars go to. You're probably going to need Social Security. You're going to need those services, but you're never going to be able to contribute to them for six decades because of this felony history. And what it does is that we had to take a look at that and say, is it necessary for us to punish people for 99 years for a crime where they might have only gotten months in a county jail? And so we had to go back and, and restore that. And we did. We saw that through Prop 47 and 64. And now we're looking at opportunities to seal those records um, so that we can give people a fresh start after they've you know, done the work that they needed to do in order to move forward in a positive manner. And so those are, that's an example of ways, easy ways that we can make change is by taking some of the pressure off people and giving them opportunities to succeed instead of giving them a 99 sentence for every case that comes through. You mentioned uh, propositions, including uh, 64. Am I hearing you right that your overall movement uh, probably is going to have to entail new legislation? Would that be a right read on this? I would like, and I've been working um, with a number of agencies to get that legislation, um, because when you come in for a crime that you've committed, uh, the DA and your defense attorney will negotiate, you know, a plea in about 98% of our cases, because there's not enough room to try them all. So um, we had, for example, 18 to 20,000 cases, 100 of them went to jury trial, meaning all the others were resolved um, through a plea mechanism. So when you look at that plea and the negotiated plea, I'll come to you and I'll say, okay, we'll take, you know, five years state prison, obey all laws, those same or similar offenses, pay all your fines and fees and restitution. And then there might be probation or parole, depending on the circumstances. What we see with that is that after that individual has done that time and done it well and has decided to make, you know, a better pathway forward, we need to seal that record so that they can be successful going forward. It's not asking them to take less responsibility or to not accept that for the actions that they committed. But we're just saying that when you're moving forward in the right direction, you need every tool and resource you can get. And having a felony conviction will prevent you from most licensing, um, from cosmetology to barber to real estate to attorney to medical, whatever the case may be. There are prohibitions against uh, many of these. Some are starting to loosen up a little bit, 
But these are jobs that pay a livable wage and allow you to support your family and not turn to crime as an answer. So why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we give people that second chance, especially when they've earned it? So what what I'm hearing from you is that the existing uh, set of regulations and laws and sentencing uh, provisions really don't benefit those who have paid their uh, uh, have paid their due back to society, have gone with the program, uh, et cetera, and would like to and have proven that they can straighten out and and uh, and live a productive life and have jobs. And and so what I'm hearing from you is uh, this is a way to to do that. Uh, l- let me think about those that might say repeat offenders. So those that, that may come back and do the same thing. How does, how does that all fit into the, cause I know the question is going to come up. How does that fit into, uh, in, into your vision for uh, these, um, these new paradigms that we need to look at? Absolutely. Great question. Ceiling is a public ceiling, meaning that you as an employer wouldn't have the capability of seeing that, but as a deputy district attorney and the court and a defense attorney, they would have access. So priorable offenses such as driving under the influence or involving um, you know, uh, sexual misconduct or sexual assault or anything involving child abuse, all of those would still be in, in, uh, used in the court of law as a prior offense. Um, they wouldn't lose that strength um, that they have in a courtroom, to incre- you know, um, but what they would do is allow people an opportunity to have a chance out there at employment, education, and housing being the three big. Um, big ones. And so that's the difference is that it would be a, a, an opportunity for them and another tool and resource for them to be successful. If they choose not to and they come back into the system because they've reoffended, that f- offense still within the criminal justice realm is a usable priorable offense. So we don't lose the strength of it when it's needed in the courtroom, but we do gain the benefit in the public of allowing people an opportunity to move forward. So you're looking for those who have successfully done what they've been asked to do. And uh, if I'm hearing you right, then provide them with the opportunity to mainstream back into society and, and to enjoy getting a job and many of those things that, that we take for granted, right? Absolutely. You know, when you look at families across the nation, everybody has somebody that is struggling with mental health, substance use, alcohol, maybe in the criminal system. You know, some, some communities have been extremely impacted by criminal justice. And as such, we have to give people an opportunity to pick themselves up. And that is what America is built on. We all fall down. We're all going to make mistakes. But the measure of a, of a woman or a man is how they pick themselves up. And while you're being picked up and moving forward, it's always nice to have somebody out there to give you a helping hand to move forward with. And everybody has been on that journey. We've all stumbled, um, and we all appreciated the assistance along the way. And so I think what's important, too, is that we don't create a system that prevents people from being successful, because if they do not get out with, if they do not receive wraparound services while they're at the jail or prison, and they don't address the underlying issues which drove them to commit the crime and create this harm to their family, to their friends, to their neighbor, to their community, if we do not address that, we are sending them back out with a 70, up to a 70% likelihood of recidivism, meaning they'll repeat mm-hmm. offend, meaning they'll create another victim. The data is overwhelming 
we know that that pathway doesn't work. So we have to change the way we incarcerate by ensuring that individuals' issues are addressed because that is a victim prevention tool. Because when they get out, they'll be in a better place, in a better space, and more successful at what they're gonna do. We need to have strong exit plans that ensure these individuals have received their ed education or their job training skills while incarcerated. So when they exit, there's an economic opportunity for them to be successful and not return to crime as an economic resource, but instead make a sustainable, livable wage to support them and their family. And with that, we know we can decrease criminal recidivism rate or repeat offenders. More importantly, we can have less victims, less people harmed. It is a good victim prevention tool. You know, if we can get to kids early for intervention and prevention and keep them from ever getting involved in crime, that's our number one goal. But for those who do, we need to make sure that they never come back again because they've already taken from my community. They've already harmed my community. And I have to do everything to make sure that they don't do it again. And to rely upon failed policies where data and research is overwhelming that they did not work, they were not successful, and then releasing them back into my community with no rehabilitative opportunities, no exit plan, and no capability of sustaining economic success is guaranteeing their failures, is guaranteeing victims. And I will never stand for that as the district attorney of San Joaquin County. So you have to be brave. You have to be courageous and stand up to the negative voices and to the bullying and to the harassment and even the threats to create that change and to build that pathway. Because what we know what we were doing didn't work. And so we have to make those changes. Well, those, uh, those, the issue of exit plans uh, makes, a, makes a lot of sense. You, you were mentioning or you were in the realm of root causes here. And you mentioned mental health. And uh, I, I think many of us would agree, to, regardless of our perspectives, that mental health is just a really tough issue to deal with uh, in terms of homelessness and in terms of the criminal justice system as well. Uh, in terms of dealing with mental health issues and the, and the complexities involved, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel there? Do you see something, some things on the horizon that will help us deal with that issue? In mental health and substance abuse, um, substance use, excuse me, and um, alcoholism and addiction are in every home, whether it's addiction to gambling, to porn, to alcohol, to meth, to, meth, to um, you know, you name it. Uh, addiction is in every household. And we don't teach our children and we don't teach ourselves the tools to deal with it because the loved one suffers through the addiction um, or suffers through the mental health, but so does the family. The secondary consequences or the vicarious trauma, as we say, to the family is significant because we're left without the tools and resources to help our loved ones with mental health. And we'll all have a journey with mental health, whether it's from grieving to depression to anxiety to more you know, significant things such as paranoid schizophrenia, which we see often here, um, or bipolar, things like of that nature. And because of it, we haven't done a good job as a nation teaching ourselves how to live with individuals that are struggling through this process, how to understand the disease and how to treat it. If you're a diabetic, then we immediately train you on what diabetes is. We, we change your diet. We work with your insulin levels. We monitor you every day. With mental health, we don't. We haven't been on that. We're getting there, but we haven't created that pathway 
where we're teaching and educating each other on how to live with mental health and how to address it as a family and an opportunity to heal. But it causes a lot of trauma and it causes a lot of harm in our community because we see people on the street who are in crisis, who are struggling with mental health, screaming for help, literally on the street as we drive by. And we just don't, we simply don't know what to do or where to go. And so I think as a nation, we have to make, and I think it has to be one of the top five priorities of any administration is to address mental health. San Joaquin County District Attorney Tori Verber-Salazar, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back with your calls in just a few moments on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, every weekday at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And thank you so much for being part of our radio family. We so much appreciate it. Mike Douglas here serving as your personal concierge for conversation. Here we're live and local on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And today we've been talking about uh, some differing perspectives on criminal justice reform. Our, our guest uh, was uh, San Joaquin County District Attorney uh, Tori Verber-Salazar, who, who well articulated uh, a case that he's making, along with some other district attorneys in California, uh, for some significant reform. And my question to you is, are there things you heard that you think are valuable to pursue? Are there things you're not sure about? We'd love to hear you and uh, your opinions about that here at our uh, direct line into the Mike Douglas Show, area code 209-551-3483, area code 209-551-3483. And on the line uh, with us is Gardal Wilson, and uh, Gardal has the street credibility uh, to comment on all of this, uh, his, his view of, of the criminal justice system, how it's working, ways it's not working, and ways maybe that we can improve it. Uh, Gardal, as, uh, first of all, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show, and then can you give us that 30-second elevator speech, so to speak, about, uh, about your history with the criminal justice system and how you understand its workings? Well, thank you for having me, Mike. I appreciate that. And it's good to be able to communicate with you again on lines of positive community um, issues that are going on. My uh, experience with law enforcement has not been an ugly one. I have was raised here in Modesto from since the third grade. My parents are educated. My mother, Ruby Kennedy, was a retired nurse from Memorial Hospital many, many years. My dad's retired military air force. We moved here when I was three years old from Japan. So I've lived my, most of my adult life, all of my life here in Modesto and was raised. Even though I see the police brutality and the communities that are going through so much stress and hatred, I must say for myself and living in this community uh, in Modesto, I have experienced very little of police brutality. Not to say that I don't believe that it doesn't exist, because I am in a real world, 
but most of my experience of seeing the atrocities that are created upon blacks and minorities have been through the media and not here in my hometown, which I am grateful for. I believe that there are good officers, and unfortunately there are some bad ones. But because of the bad ones, the good ones do get a bad rep. I believe that transparency is vital to justice reform. Law enforcement should always, I feel, wear body cameras, not being allowed to turn them off or to be edited. The film should be made available within 24 to 48 hours to to, to be viewed by the public and parties that are concerned. I don't understand why it takes weeks or even months to review an incident filmed on a body camera. Also, officers need more training, I feel, in the field when dealing with minority communities and those of mental health. With the stress of COVID-19 going on, our families and our communities are seriously divided. Uh, one of the, ish, one of the uh, biblical recitals uh, that you had briefly before we came on air is, it is time to seek the Lord. Our country is divided by hatred, racism, and politics. I've lost several good friends just on the uh, statement of, of politics. Being raised here in Modesto, I have to say that I have been fairly treated by law enforcement when uh, indulging with them. I work every day with the homeless, mentally ill, military, and uh, other private sectors of, of our community. And the West Modesto, which is my home and my hood, as they say, where I come from, I've experienced very, very little, and I hear very, very little complaints from my minority community leaders that I am involved with about police brutality. On the whole, I must say that Modesto Police Department and the Sheriff's Department and all the other um, um, entities that participate in our, in our communities have been more than professional in my Part all that's, with uh, Yeah, that's, uh, that's good news, and it speaks well of, of both departments. Uh, curious from your perspective, and we heard from uh, D.A. Tori Berber-Salazar up in uh, San Joaquin County, some of her thoughts uh-huh. about the need uh-huh. for uh, justice reform. Uh, one of the things that uh, is is in debate right now is lowering uh, some of the sentencing standards. Um, do you think uh, do you think that would help uh, in in many ways, or do you think maybe we need to focus more on you know providing resources for those coming out of jail or prison so that uh, they can have better success on the outside? Well, yes, definitely. My last uh, 15 years I've been involved in uh, housing of parolees, uh, veterans, and uh, the homeless. So I do believe that, that having more programs. These guys come out of parole now, and there is nothing there for them. There's no programs. There are no more halfway houses, and there is no jobs for them. So the recidivism rate just continues to grow and continue to be that way. The convictions of minorities as opposed to white incarceration – it's despicable. I believe that. And I know that we should be able to do some type of thing <clears throat> to be able to change this. Yeah, Gardal, uh, I'm, I'm curious because you, you have worked with so many uh, men over, over the years. That this issue of providing them with the tools for success when they get out. It, I, th- I think we've, we've seen 
if you do nothing, it's a revolving door, right? I mean, they're, they're used to uh, some structure in, in jail or prison. Uh, they're used to certain paradigms they get out. And I don't think we've done a great job in terms of providing them with the tools to succeed. What are some of the things that, that you think would be valuable for us to do that perhaps we're not doing yet? Well, first of all, you can't have much of a self-esteem or a vision for succeeding when you're out of prison and there's no place to go but mom's house or grandmother's house or an ex-girlfriend's. And maybe if you haven't burned that bridge, if you're not able to return there, parole demands that within a week to two weeks that you have a steady address where they can come and process and also be able to monitor your movements. If you have no place to go, with the parole system as it is, you will return back to your incarceration in due time. Therefore, how can I get out and get a job? How can I look for something else to happen better in my life if I have no place to stay at night? When I don't know where I'm going to eat, I parole with the money that I've made by working on the yard with maybe $100. They'll pay your way home, and then that's it. One more statement before that. Wherever you committed your crime, be wherever it is. Your home, you, you may be from Modesto. If you committed a crime in Fresno or Bakersfield, that is where you are made to parole to. You don't get to come back home. Most counties do not want you back into their county until you have finished your parole. Parole is just a little time of letting you out of jail early. Gardal, uh, last question for you very quickly. Uh, again, one of the points that uh, D.A. Salazar was making was that uh, she believes some of the, the felony uh, sentencing right now needs to be reduced to misdemeanors and such. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm not citing any specific crimes at all, but just in general, uh, do you feel that will help? Uh, from your experience, or should we put more focus on preparing folks to uh, to be a success once they uh, you know once they're back on the outside? Well, you've got let's let's just use one for instance real quickly: marijuana laws. We have very a lot of people that are incarcerated for possession of marijuana and sales of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Now that the rules have been changed and the laws have been reduced. These people have been looking at a lot of time, 20 years, 15 to 20 years. And now that it's been reduced and marijuana is practically legal, what do we do with these individuals? And there are a lot of them. A lot of them are standing there for minor offenses, misdemeanors, pumped up to to, to, um, felonies. Mm -hmm. What do we do with them? Gardal, thank you so much. Appreciate your perspectives. And uh, I I think we can all agree uh, on this issue of providing the tools to succeed on on the outside. So Gardal Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend, and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you for having me. And only by the grace of God will we begin to heal. God bless. Amen to that. All right, our number here, area code 209-551-3483. We're talking about uh, criminal justice reform. Should sentences that are current felonies uh, be reduced, for example, uh, and and even some misdemeanors uh, being reduced to infractions? We're going to talk a little bit in, in about three or four minutes about a committee that is reporting to uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, and they're, uh, they're remec- uh, recommending some things like uh, driving without a license and driving with a suspended license 
based on unpaid fines should be reduced from misdemeanors to infractions. Okay, so uh, these are interesting points. What do you think? Again, our number here is area code 209-551-3483. That's 209-551-3483. And we'll continue that discussion in about three or four minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, every weekday at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Power Talk 1360 burst traffic from the Jackson Rancheria Resort Traffic Center. Eastbound 205 and Tracy still tied up today. Tracy Boulevard all the way to Drive. After that, it is a little bit better now on North 5. Still some slowing uh, between 120 and Louise Avenue, but after that, it looks pretty good through French Camp. South 99 through Ripon, tied up right before Jack Tone Road. Just a brief delay. For the latest on the Valerie opening, tune to news on 1360 AM KFIV. This report is sponsored by Indeed.com. With Indeed, there's no waiting for real results. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to deliver great candidates who fit your job description instantly. Claim your $75 credit towards your first upgraded post at Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. There's no place like home unless you hate your bathrooms and fresh coat of paint and your countertops are on their last legs in that case there's no place like adrian construction go to the best home improvement contractor in the 209 adrian construction specializes in all varieties and phases of home remodeling and new construction request an estimate for your project call 209-409-8075 adrian construction completing your project on time in budget and with professionalism adrianconstruction.com armstrong and getty here for our friends at first california funding and you like us will really appreciate having a local, knowledgeable expert you can trust for honest mortgage advice. Yeah, when you call a lot of these mega banks, you're going to be dealing with somebody that just wants to sell you something, whether it makes financial sense at all. That's once you finally get a human being. Or you can call First California Funding, talk to somebody right away that's going to give you the honest scoop on all the money that they can save you. Yeah, and their rates are every bit as good as anybody's. The service is just way better. And rates, speaking of rates, they're hovering in the 2% range. Home equity is at an all-time high. So make that five-minute call now to see if it makes sense for you. Just five minutes on the phone and get hooked with a human being fast when you call First California Funding. Oh, by the way, veterans can still get 100% financing. 916-989-6222, 989-6222, or fcfunding.com. That's fcfunding.com. California Bureau of Real Estate. Real estate broker license number 01069872. NMLS number 282458. Equal housing lender. Heard the good news about COVID-19 vaccines? They're here. You can do more than wait for your turn. Here's how. Stay at least six feet away from folks you don't live with. And it's risky to be indoors with them, too. And masks? Well, they protect both the person wearing them and the folks around them. Wear a mask, watch your distance, and make a big difference now. Learn more about vaccines at cdc.gov slash coronavirus. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Transmission problems? Let Interstate Transmission fix it. They do all transmission repairs, but don't let their name fool you. Interstate Transmission. They actually fix any and all major car repair. This is the Valley's one-stop stop-in, my friends. Interstate Transmission on Mitchell just after the airport. It's the first shop on the right. Give them a call. Tell them Trevor sent you. 209-538-2831. 538-2831. Interstate Transmission. People trust them. Tell them Trevor Carey sent you. When you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor, you get someone who understands there's an art to listening. 
and can provide small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. For solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. With Indeed, there's no waiting for real results. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to deliver great candidates who fit your job description instantly. Claim your $75 credit towards your first upgraded post at Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. This report is sponsored by Indeed.com. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show. On Power Talk, 1360 KFIB. And Mike Douglas here, serving as your concierge for conversation. Our topic today is criminal justice uh, reform. And uh, some of the ideas that were presented by San Joaquin County District Attorney, uh, Tori Verber Salazar. And one of, the, one of the things that really caught my attention and I'm, you know, full disclosure here, I'm speaking as an ex-cop. Now, you know, granted, that was uh, back around the time of Noah and the Ark. It was a long time ago, a couple decades ago. Uh, but one of the things I, I resonated with was better training uh, to, to deal with uh, uh, to the attention of law enforcement in there and then are incarcerated with mental illness. I don't know that we are addressing that in the best way that we can. And, uh, and that, that issue of equipping uh, people for success who are coming out of the, uh, the jail system or the prison system, are we giving them the tools? Now, some may not use the tools, but the reality is, and, and I've seen this over the years, if you just dump someone, release them from jail, release them from prison, and you just dump them back out in the community, the, the reality is, the, the probability is, and I would say probably the data would show, although I don't have any in hand, I'm, I'm giving you my experience through the years, uh, but, but what happens is if you, if you do not prepare them and don't give them some tools, they go right back to their old ways of doing things that got them into trouble in the first place. Uh, by and large, and so uh, I, I think our recidivism rate in a in a great way. Will lowering sentencing standards help accomplish that uh, in terms of reducing re- recidivism? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on that yet, but I appreciate DA Salazar providing some things to think about. One of our listeners. Uh, just checked in and, and she says, and, and this is someone who has had a family member uh, incarcerated. She says, I think if the person has done all that's asked of them, they should be given a chance of succeeding an exit plan and help with becoming a responsible person in the community. Hard to become an adult after you have made many mistakes. Uh, she says, I, I do think they need better resources for someone uh, coming out of prison in order to succeed. So again, that's uh, that's one of those points that I think is uh, very very valuable, and uh, we love your perspective on that as well. Do you think that lowering sentencing standards is a way to create a better uh, criminal justice system? What do you think about this whole issue of training, of, of, of equipping, of providing uh, more programs or more intensified programs to help people cons- uh, succeed on the outside? 
Again, our number here on the Mike Douglas Show is area code 209-551-3483. That's area code 209-551-3483. Now, about a year ago, there was a uh, committee on the revision of the penal code that was formed to report back to Governor Gavin Newsom. And one of their uh, recommendations was that uh, if uh, people who have been incarcerated and they exclude those on death row, death row inmates, and they exclude those spending life behind bars without a chance of parole, but all others, they're recommending that if they uh, serve at least 15 years, that uh, they should have uh, an, an overhaul of that particular uh, system and that they should be allowed to be uh, paroled earlier. And that committee was made up of, or is made up of uh, lawmakers, judges, academics. And uh, according to an article in the Modesto B about a week ago, uh, their aim is to provide a broad impact with uh, unanimous proposals, including addressing racial and economic disparities in traffic tickets where unpaid fines can turn into a mountain of debt and eventually a jail sentence. Uh, the B quotes them saying, uh, members recommend that driving without a license, for example, and driving with a suspended license based on unpaid fines be reduced from misdemeanors to infractions with lower fees. And see, may- maybe it's my ex-copness uh, I, I don't know the, if, if we're not supposed to drive without a license, then why are we making it easier to do that? Uh, if, if the law is not good, if, 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 uh, California thinks that driving without a driver's license is a good thing, that there shouldn't be any requirements that you ought to be able to just fire up your, your jalopy and head out onto the road. What do you think? Uh, there's uh, there was an old, uh, old adage when I was in law enforcement. And again, that was decades ago. And that was, uh, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Well, that's not real popular today, but I think there are some elements of that in understanding that choices do have consequences. Now we want to remove anything that is inherently um, prohibitive, uh, anything that's inherently Tory in the laws, certainly, uh, certainly agree with that. But when the law is the law, I, um, and, and I think having a driver's license is a good law. By the way, the proper term is driver license, not driver's license. Uh, if you, it's, why do we need a driver license? What, what, what benefit is that to the community? Well, the benefit is it ensures that we know who you are and that you've had some type of, uh, some type of instruction uh, that will help. Thank you for joining us today on the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.